0: This is the Find Your Forte podcast, episode 74.
1: You have the passion. You have the education. Now it's time for the inspiration. Get ready to step up to the podium with purpose. This is the Find Your Forte podcast with choral director and lifestyle entrepreneur, Ryan Guth.
0: Hey there, Choir Nation. This is Ryan Guth with the Find Your Forte podcast, and I am just so delighted to have Jeb Mueller with me today. He's from the University of Houston and was highly recommended to me by our recent episode with Betsy Cook-Weber. So if you go back a few weeks, you'll see that episode. I want to remind you that today's podcast is sponsored by KI Concerts. KI Concerts is the top-notch service when it comes to your international choral travel needs. Uh, many of my guests are um, KI Concert guest conductors and uh, have have worked with Oliver and Michael uh, and the whole KI Concerts team in order to put on some fantastic tours and great venues with big old appreciative audiences. So I really hope that you check out KI Concerts at KIConcerts.com forward slash forte for a special deal from KI to you, Choir Nation, for being a listener of the Find Your Forte podcast. So um, I have to begin with my question. So Jeb, Choir Nation is ready. They're at the edge of their chairs, folders open, and looking your way. Are you ready to deliver the downbeat?
1: I am ready.
0: Awesome, Jeb. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for the opportunity, and and let me say before before we get any farther that uh, everybody should have a cheerleader as enthusiastic as as Betsy Weber is for me. She's uh, she's been an incredible mentor, someone uh, that I learned from every day. She's been supportive and she's a good friend. So so uh, I, I wish everybody the the same.
0: Well, Choir Nation, if you're interested in learning more about. Um, Jeb's mentor, friend, rah-rah, cheerleader, Uh, what you need to do is you need to go back in the uh, archives here, not very far, but you're going to go back in the archives of the Find Your Forte podcast to Betsy Cook Weber's episode, which happens to be... Um, Betsy, this is episode 69. So that's actually, uh, God, just a few episodes ago. Uh, It was released on the 27th of September in 2016. So if you go back to um, ryanguth.com forward slash 069 for episode 69, you can listen to the episode called On Presence and Keeping Secrets with Betsy Cook-Weber. So check that out. And uh, I hope... Uh, that you really enjoy that one too. So, all right, Jeb, let's just jump back into your interview here. Uh, Jeb, you are a uh, a associate conductor, right, at the University of Houston. Is that, how, is that what I would say you are?
1: Yeah, I'm the, the associate director. So, so, Betsy is the director of choral studies, uh, and she conducts two choirs and leads the whole area. And then, Uh, I I conduct three choirs and teach music ed classes, stuff like that.
0: Now, explain to me your background in music education. Where did you come from before University of Houston?
1: Sure. Well, um, straight out of undergraduate, um, I actually grew up in in one of the Houston suburbs and and went away to, to Texas Tech for school, came back and taught high school, uh, for six years in CyFair and Katy, which are two Houston suburbs, uh, and then went on to do my master's at the University of Texas at Austin, then my doctoral studies at the University of Miami, where I studied with Josh Haberman, um, and then it was just dumb luck that I, I ended up being hired at UH. They, they needed somebody, and that was the year I was looking, and it seems to have been a good match.
0: Very good. Well, hey, also, you know, you're in a good company. Josh Haberman was episode 70 right after Betsy Cook-Weber. So, that's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, He's
1: great, and I learned a lot from him. I, I respect him a ton.
0: So, uh, Jeb, what are your responsibilities uh, as far as music education are, are, are concerned? You know, we have a lot of members of Choir Nation that are... That are you know in the public school world. so I'm assuming you train a lot of those people that are going out there in, in Texas and teaching. Um, what are your responsibilities as a music education professor?
1: Well, I think it's it, first of all, I, I teach our choral methods class, which we we call rehearsal techniques, and that's the the class where people who are about to go student teach hone some of their skills and we try to prepare them as best we can to be successful in that. Um, but beyond that, I, I think just the way uh, that I run my rehearsals every day and, and trying to be a good colleague, and I think Betsy and I uh, are constantly training our singers uh, through high standards and work ethic to, to go out and be successful in the world, not just as choral directors, but just as professionals in general.
0: So. Uh, this is very interesting because um, I, I know in my alma mater, uh, Westminster Choir College, has just started a choral methods class um, more recently because I didn't have one when I was an undergrad. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, is this an undergraduate course or is this, a, is this a graduate course?
1: Well, it's both actually. So this semester we have uh, 12 in the class. We have two grad students and we have two undergraduate students uh, or sorry, 10 undergraduate students. So uh, we have a little bit of a mix. Typically it's it's mostly undergrad.
0: So what would you say is the what is the most difficult thing to teach a new conductor in an in a um choral methods class? Like what's the weak what's the weak point? What's the thing we need to we need to improve on as young conductors the most?
1: Well, first of all, in terms of my coral methods class, we spend very little time on the nuts and bolts like budgets and fundraising and, you know, all of that stuff. Because most of that, you just go out to a school and you figure out what that school wants you to do. So I think that what most young teachers struggle with the most is opening their ears. Um, it's it's such a complicated job and it takes a long time to, to really get good at it. A lot of rehearsals that didn't go quite so well and, and so you have to build a lesson plan and you know we teach people so sometimes they're really energetic and sometimes they're low energy. Sometimes it's a pep rally day and there's no point in having class and some days it's been cloudy for four days and they're just down. So that complicates things. And, and so on top of that, listening for what's actually happening in the room. So what, what is happening with pitch and rhythm? Are, are they phrasing? How do you get what you want? It's, uh, I think that's the part that takes the most time. It's something certainly that I'm continuing to um, work on every day.
0: Do your undergrads have have jobs while they're while they're undergrads, like church jobs or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I, I almost everybody as an undergrad works here, and a lot of them uh, do have church jobs. They have music jobs, but but they also a lot of them work as servers. They're they're paying their way through college, and that's one thing I, I actually think makes UH really special and makes our students so outstanding is that they have to work just to be there so they really value the opportunities that they're given and they work really hard
0: hmm, that's interesting okay so so do you do you find that any of your undergrads like actually have choral positions at all like are they doing any work in the choral field while they're undergrads or even are your grad students doing that as well while they're in your class, I mean, so they're getting more of the listening while they're um, while they're in school, not that not in your class
1: yeah actually this is this is something that that uh Betsy started and that i've uh, I've certainly been trying to to help with since we got there or since I got here um, we have five undergraduate student ensembles, small ensembles uh that uh, they have to be members of our five large ensembles to, to sing in those, but Betsy and I have nothing to do with them. Oh, wow. Our, our conductors, uh, our students are running auditions, they're picking rep, they're running the rehearsals, they're managing their budget, they're scheduling gigs. Uh, they are doing absolutely everything that a choral conductor does. Before they even get to my rehearsal techniques class, oh, wonderful! So they are getting so much valuable uh, just reps and practice, uh, getting to listen and just being a choral director—something I certainly never had before. I I went out and started teaching.
0: So that seems like a very a very uh, uh, innovative program. Very, it's you know, it's very forward-thinking. It's, it's looking at what they're going to be dealing with. Uh, when they get out in the real world, so I, I definitely appreciate that. That sounds awesome. That sounds, that's a, a unique, must be a unique feature of a uh, U of H education.
1: Yeah, I think it is. I think it's uh, one of the reasons that we have a, literally a 100% job placement rate for our music ed uh, people because because we do provide those those opportunities. And so when they go out and they they teach a sample lesson, it's it's not for the first time. I mean, they've, they've been doing this for a couple of years, and um, doesn't doesn't hurt that they're also smart and talented and quality people, too.
0: So, Jeb, what what do you attribute, uh, what skill, or, or um, and this is the forte question, what do you attribute uh, to your success uh, as far as reaching the University of Houston and being able to work with these great students and, and Betsy?
1: Well, I, I think it's, it's, there are a ton of things, but, but one of the things that I have tried to do in my own life and that I'm still in my, my students is to dream big and then to think realistic. So, uh, I, I set big goals for myself, big goals, um, that may not be achievable, but I'm certainly gonna try to make them happen and I do the same for my ensembles. Um, And then along the way, because those big goals you can't make happen overnight, you have to have those steps in between so that you feel success, so that the the people around you feel success. So for instance, um, this is my fifth year at the University of Houston. When I got here, uh, I knew that this was a program that was already good, but those uh, the, the men's chorus I taught and the women's chorus had had too many conductors in too many years, and so there wasn't any consistency, and the very first day I got in there, I, I, I knew the potential, and I told both of them on the first rehearsal. I said, my goal is that Uh, this men's chorus is one of the finest collegiate men's choruses in the country. And I said the same thing for the women. I said, you know, my goal for you is to be the best collegiate women's chorus in the country. And frankly, they laughed nervously when I said it. Uh, And I looked right at them and I said, do I look like I'm joking? (laughs) And they, they all looked at me and went, oh, he's serious. And you know what? Every day we work. We're not there yet, but we work every day to to try to get there. So so setting that big goal and helping them to dream big has been so important. And then along the way, you set little little goals. So. So our numbers were down. So we worked on recruiting to to get more people in there to increase the talent and and just to to increase the numbers so we could do different music and and uh, and then you know it's a concert by concert improvement. This concert I, I really want to focus on on singing better to, in tune, and then the next are are you know maybe rhythmic issues with that choir are an issue. So and I think pretty much since I've gotten here. I feel like just about every concert for all my choirs has been better than the last. And uh, you know that's a tribute to, to those students because they, they know the goals and they're willing to work for them. Um, and, and so for a, a perfect example is my, my women's chorus, Concert Women's Chorus. Um, last year we performed at the Southwest ACDA convention. Uh, and that was uh, just an incredible honor Uh, and, and they really felt like, okay, we've, we've arrived, you know, this, we're, we're good enough for that recognition. But this year I, I remind them, we've still got a lot, a lot to improve. There's still work to be done. So, uh, I think it's just that relentless push for better.
0: So, you know, it's interesting because, because I've heard Ted talks, I have a, um, There's a guy named Derek Sivers who does a TED talk about not telling anybody about your goals because if you tell somebody, then your brain rewards you, you know, uh, because people sort of give you a pat on the back because they're like, "Oh, that's such a great goal," and it demotivates you, um, which is interesting. And 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 I I wonder if it depends on the kind of personality you are and stuff like that. But like, I definitely agree with the idea of like having those. Setting those benchmarks along the way and saying, okay, um, you know, if we can get to this, then we're definitely on our way to the big, the big thing. Um, I mean, how often do you have? And I'm, I'm not trying to devalue your point at all. I actually, I mean, I think, I think personally, in group stuff, is a whole different, a whole, whole different world. But if you, if you um, speak to your choir about the goals, like, how often are you doing that? Is this like every day? Are you? Are you speaking about today's objective, or are you looking at things like, okay, this semester we're going to get this done, or this concert cycle we're going to focus on this particular technique, or, or, or what are those discussions like with your choirs?
1: Well, we don't talk about it very often, uh, at all. I mean, maybe once a semester. If if they're working poorly that day, uh, then you know we we talk about we just in thirty seconds or less just. Reevaluate, you know, our big goals. Remind ourselves of our big goals and our little goals. Um, and and then for every choir, it's just a little different, you know. In in college, I'm very often kind of starting over every semester in my choirs because I teach a lot of non music majors and they can't take it every semester. Um, but we have enough leaders coming back every semester that they teach those new members, what it's like, you know, what are the expectations for rehearsing here? And then I look at every choir and and some are better at, at others, at certain things than others. And uh, honestly, I, I attack all of them. Um, you know, I think they're all interrelated. I think pitch and rhythm obviously are interrelated, but diction is right in there with it. So we're, we're constantly, Addressing all those things, uh, and I think if you, you know, I, my experience has been that if you if you share big goals, then then people know what they're working for, mm-hmm. um, and and so I think that's that's why it's been so effective for me. Now, my big personal goals, I pretty much keep to myself, um, yeah. But in terms of Getting those students motivated, I I think it's been really helpful.
0: Has there any? Well, you know, and I I I agree with you because it's like sometimes uh, I don't know whether it's a generation or it's just the psychology how it works, but it does seem like um, if if you don't put out a goal for your for your your choir, they're not interested in rehearsing because they don't like what are we doing this for? They want to know what's the point, right? They've spent the last thirteen years of their education in a, in math class going. Why are we doing this, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I mean, in in you know, you're giving them this opportunity um, to do something that is bigger than themselves, and uh, I think it's one of the cool things about what we do is um, being able to 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 you know, they're affecting humanity in a big way, and you need to rem- I guess remind them of of that as well.
1: Yeah, I think that's right, and and the the biggest shift. Uh, culturally, that I had to make when I got at UH got to UH was to value the rehearsal. Um, you know, we what I'm constantly working is to get the proactive ensemble member. You know, people who are thinking about how do I fix that? What what can be better? Rather than me spoon feeding them, you know, this is where the crescendos. We want this kind of diction, you know. That F sharp is a little under. Well, they're they're smart. They have those skills. They can either think about it and be proactive, or they can they can be uh, a little bit um, passive music makers. And to me, that's just not fun. Being being active music makers is what makes it truly an enjoyable experience for everybody. So that's something I'm continuing to work on every day. Is to to encourage and require of them to be those proactive singers.
0: So I guess the proactivity is all about making choices, right? That you, you you're in, in encouraging them to make to make musical choices in in your rehearsal.
1: Well, that's exactly right. And and um, the 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 thing about what I tell them always about musical is that uh, you know. Let's make some musical choices, and then together, you know, I have some ideas, I want your ideas, and then together we'll figure out, because sometimes your ideas, I think, are better. Um, but even in my ensembles, just getting them to think about fixing notes and rhythms is a challenge. So I always tell my my choirs, look, I'm the tow truck, and you're the driver, all right? You're driving along. If you miss something, I'm expecting you to, to keep, keep fixing it on your own, but if you get stuck in a ditch, then that's why I'm here. I'm going to help get you out and get you those skills that you need. Um, but, but don't wait for me to, to fix everything. You, you're smart. Do that work yourself.
0: Do you have a, a moment in your career or an experience, recent experience or anything like that that you can share with us regarding where you dreamed big and it didn't come, come to fruition and you maybe are glad that it didn't? Oh, boy. That's a good question. Um, and I'm I'm going to help you stall I, a little bit <laughs> because because it's so interesting because um, we talk about presence a lot on this podcast and just sort of trusting that, you know, you'll be fine. And that's if I were to get any tattoo, um, the tattoo would say, and it would be to me and it would be to all of my students, and it would say, you'll be fine. because Because there is always a much bigger plan that you have no idea even exists and you're hoping and dreaming for something and it doesn't happen. And for a temporary period of time, you're like, man, that really sucks. And, but in the end, there was probably a good reason why that that dream didn't pan out. And, um, you know, potentially it was, um, losing a performance opportunity, uh, only to find that, another one, an even better one pops up or even more valuable one, something that affects more people does, does more good, more positive things for people pops up where, um, you know, I mean, there's also obviously tons of of personal things when it comes to, you know, relationships not working out and that kind of stuff. And I feel like that's such a valuable lesson for kids, um, is that ability to, to stay encouraged and stay present, um, uh, even when things don't go their way, so I mean, do you have like a you have like a failure moment that you can share? Uh,
1: I have failure moments every day. <laughs> yes, don't we all? <laughs> uh, I, and it was something that I I have fought and that I, I'm I am getting better at, but something I continue to fight is just self doubt and um, you know the the question of do I belong. Uh, you know, that a lot of people like me sometimes feel like, okay, they're going to discover that, that I'm a fraud, where,
0: but... Imposter where, syndrome, but, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly, and, and but I think I belong. I think I'm in the right place, and yet every day, if a rehearsal doesn't go well, I, I take it personally, you know, I, I, I carry that weight with me into the next rehearsal, so... So embracing the fact that I'm not perfect, that I'm never gonna be close, um, and that mistakes are okay. In fact, mistakes are good, and I tell my students all this okay. Mistakes are good up to a certain point. I mean, you don't wanna keep making the same ones over and over, but, that, but that's how we grow. I mean, and, and so I think that's what I've constantly been trying to just say, it's okay to make these mistakes, Jeb, it's okay that you're not perfect. How could you be? You know, that there are things that you do well and there are things that you need to work on. And, and so let's be realistic about that.
0: So if I came to you as one, as one of your students and I said, I said, Dr. Mueller, um, I, I, I don't feel like I belong here. Um, I, you know, like, I feel like I'm going to get found out. Right. I feel like I'm a fraud. Uh, and I'm one of your students who you care about what what would you talk? what would you tell me what would you how would you direct me?
1: I think I would start asking questions um, and and say well why why do you feel that way? What doubts do you have um, and i I see it a lot actually in my my choral techniques class uh, rehearsal techniques class. Um, you know sometimes that peer teaching is way scarier than it would be with Elementary or middle school or high school students, and um, there are some that come in with more experience than others, and so I see those people who who are struggling personally, uh, and and when things don't go well in their lesson, they you can see in their face that they feel like they are are failing as a person, and it's uh, so I, you know, as much as I can, I pull them aside and encourage them and say, hey, you are growing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the whole point of this class is you started one place. You're better now than you were. And that's what we need to focus on. It's it's just making it better every time. If you can make it just a little bit better in your teaching, in your personal life, uh, in your fitness or in your reading ability or whatever it may be, you know, just take a step at a time and don't expect that it's all going to be perfect right away. Cause that's just not the way life is. Um, and, and then I think most of the time when people start being fair to themselves, then their perception of their abilities and potential change.
0: Hmm. What, what, what it define fair to yourself? That's interesting. I've never heard anybody say that.
1: Well, I, I think that, uh, and I'm certainly one of them. A lot of us put unreasonable expectations of ourselves. Um, we we're embarrassed if we make a mistake. Mm-hmm. We're embarrassed to look like we may not know something or know enough. And 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 so it's important that we accept that look, this is, this is inevitable. We are imperfect beings. Um, and, and if we're fair enough to say, okay, yeah, that's okay. That you're right. I am going to make mistakes. Then, then it's okay to make a little more okay to make the next mistake. And I think as conductors, we must be, modeling that behavior for our students, um, and our, our church choirs or who, you know, whatever we may be leading that, look, I'm going to admit when I make a mistake because I want you to be okay with making a mistake. Otherwise we just get shut down by fear. Um, I think we've all seen it in our choral rehearsals and it's certainly true personally. So I think it's just fair slash gaining perspective. Um, and and being kind to oneself.
0: So do you have any routines or habits that help you overcome self-doubt things like that? Is there anything that you do besides the work that you do in in, in front of a choir that it makes you feel like, yeah, this is um you know, I am a healthy guy or or uh, I mean, do you do anything mindfulness or w- w- exercise or any particular routines or, or anything that you do to to keep your keep your brain in tip top shape?
1: Well, gray goose up with a twist is always a good option. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'm mostly getting there, but you know, I think it is important to. To hang out with friends and just say, "Okay, this happened. Does this happen to you?" Mm-hmm. Um, it's good to, to do that. But for so me,
0: knowing that you're not alone, exactly. Well, I think that's why we have this show, right? I think that's why that's why you get to hear about those failures and un- understand that you know Choir Nation that even the even the the best and brightest you know amongst us have the same problems that we have, that we, we go through, we're all human. We all go through the same stuff. So, so thank, you know, thank you, thank you for, you know, admitting that, uh, that, that we're imperfect. We're all imperfect beings, you know? So, I'm sorry. I want you to finish your answer to that, to that question.
1: Yeah. I, I, uh, I was gonna, I was gonna say that, yeah, I mean, you're not making any mistakes that somebody, tens of thousands or millions of people before you haven't made. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, so, so I think there's, it's good to know that. But um, I'm, I'm at my best when I am exercising. Um, I feel like that is a big part of it. And when I'm eating well, um, that certainly helps me. And, and when I'm feeling like it's too much, uh, my therapist uh, suggested this, and it's been super helpful that if I wake up and I'm feeling just tied up in knots, after I get my coffee, the first thing I do is I sit down and I write three pages, stream of thought, stream stream of consciousness, um, and just dumping all of that out onto paper, then frees my my mind for the rest of the day, and then I, I feel like I'm able to move on. Doesn't mean that that issue that's that's hurting me or or distracting me goes away, but. It lessens its importance, lessens its, its impact a little bit.
0: That's interesting. The, the, is that like a, that's like almost like the morning pages, like the Julia Cameron uh, artist's way. Um, that's, a, well, idea. that's
1: actually, that's exactly where my therapist got the idea. That's, that's exactly, that's exactly right.
0: Is, are there any, and by the way, I love, that you mentioned that you mentioned a therapist on this show because I would advocate to everybody to see somebody. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody is above seeing a therapist. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I definitely had a couple years of of my adult life trying to figure out who the hell I was uh, before this, before I started this show, and and really uh, uh, with a therapist and. and it was invaluable being able to speak to somebody that is not biased, has no motive over you at all, that is just there to listen um, and pose questions that help you learn more about yourself. There's something so amazing um, about, about that, and uh, I, that's, that's, I love sorry,
1: it. I, sorry, I was going to say, I think that's exactly right. And, and what I discovered, I mean, there is this great stigma about therapy. I tell my students all the time, the world would be a better place if everyone was in therapy. There'd be way fewer wars. There would be just, it would be a kinder, gentler world. But, but the, I think the best therapists they they don't go in there to fix you. What they do is they give you tools so that you can deal with your life because there's always going to be something that's uncomfortable that, that doesn't go the way you want it. That, you know, because life is that way. Sometimes it's, Harder than other times. And if you have the tools to deal with it, then then that really helps you get through them.
0: I, I agree. I agree. What what other strategies are, are do you uh deal with? Or is there anything else you've learned through therapy? Are there any big takeaways that you feel like apply to the choral world from from um, that you've learned about yourself that you could apply to you know the rest of Choir Nation? Uh
1: yeah, I I think what it's done for me more than anything is it has made me comfortable with me. So I have a better understanding of myself and because I have a better understanding of myself, I think, and I'm very interested in psychology. So, so I'm, I'm constantly thinking about the psychology of the rehearsal and, and, uh, one-on-one relationships. So the the fact that I know myself better, and I've learned a little bit about psychology, I think, um, helps me in every aspect. I mean, I, I think it helps me pick appropriate music. I think it helps me build um, lesson plans that are that are engaging and uh, and fulfilling. Um, I I think because I know myself better, I'm more comfortable making mistakes. I'm more comfortable walking down the hall and saying, Betsy, I've got this situation, you know, what are your thoughts? Uh, or, or emailing a friend and saying, all right, what have you got for me? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I need some help with this. So I, I think it just has improved every aspect of my life. And because of that, I, I think I'm just a little bit better as a choral conductor.
0: It, it, I guess it helps you realize and humble yourself and say and, and admit to yourself that you don't always have all the answers and it's okay to ask for help. I, I do definitely feel as though, you know, we are looked at as directors to like know everything, right? We're looked at our, as our students to be that, that be all end all, you know, leader in the room. And sometimes we're just not, like you said earlier in the show, sometimes the student have, the students have a better answer. Um and I, I and uh, I think you know that that ta- well, that takeaway is so is so important. Knowing that you don't, um, you know, knowing your limits, knowing uh, you know, so you're programming your repertoire correctly, and all those things you said. And I think it all comes from. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it all comes from, I guess, just knowing that you don't always have all the answers.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And and you know, again our ensembles need to see that. They need to see when we make a mistake, when I make a mistake, I just say, oh, that was dumb. You know, I <laughs> laugh about it as much as I can. And, and because they see me admitting that I don't have all the answers, well, that's okay for them not to. And mm-hmm. it makes it a safer place for them. And and I think it's also important because it, it does help build ownership into the choir. And that's something that, that Betsy models. It's something I, I really knew I wanted, but wasn't a hundred percent sure how to get. Um, and Betsy, I think is the best I've ever seen at, at encouraging and requiring that student, student ownership, but she's one of the most humble people I've ever met. And I think the best conductors I've, I've the ones I admire the most are the people, the teachers that I admire the most are the ones that are the most humble, that, that are happy to say, I'm a lifelong learner and uh, I don't know everything. What, what have you got for me? What can I learn from you?
0: Right. Well, I guess that's what makes a choir, each choir unique is, is that ability to bring together those individuals' strengths um, in and in, through collaboration. Yeah, I think
1: that's right. I mean, and it's it's one of the great I think we have the best job in the world. Totally. Uh, I, I which is almost cliche to say on a Coral Conductors podcast, but
0: Do it, man. Honestly, <laughs>
1: honestly, I mean honestly, what what's better? You know, we're we're getting to express ourselves um in the company of other fantastic people. We are making the world a better place. We are uh Creating safe places where people can be themselves and express themselves, uh, and we are constantly pushed to be better every day. And man, I just I can't imagine doing anything else. I'm just so lucky that I stumbled into this career.
0: Well, gratitude, man. That is that is like probably the number one way to uh, conquer self doubt is yeah. is being grateful for for. Uh, What what we're what we do and um, the people that we affect every day. I mean, so thanks for being an example of that here on the Find Your Forte podcast.
1: (laughs) You know, it's it's just what I've learned is is that I I do need to be grateful. I'm I'm grateful for two parents that have supported me along the way and are, are incredible. My my brother. Uh, who's brilliant uh, and and pushes me and my friends and my colleagues and and I'm grateful for people like you who are opening up these these venues where we can share and and grow i mean it's i I just think we're I personally am am incredibly lucky
0: well listen you know um i'm I'm grateful to be able to have these conversations with with these awesome conductors. I will always I will always tell people that you know, I I got choirs that sing pretty, but believe me, there are people out there that can do that a, you know, a hell of a lot better than I can. Um and I'm I'm so happy to to talk with these people and sort of tease out uh, you know those those little strategies and mindsets and things that allow them to be uh, you know successful. And there's, if you listen to the entire you know find your forte archive, you're going to hear um, a lot of you know, similar themes. And that word gratitude comes out a lot. And that sort of you know not knowing at all. And and even even those the, the routines like exercise and eating well and and the goals the goal stuff and i mean you hear this over and over again in the podcast and it you know it it makes you realize that, that there's it's no coincidence that if you're ma- if you want to make it in the choral world you need to you need to get your head straight and um and it's so much less about making your choir sing pretty it's it's your choir will sing pretty if if you make it make it a safe place. Right. And healthy choral directors are, are able probably more maybe make a safe place easier than unhealthy, you know, quote unquote choral directors. And, uh, I think we all have that natural beauty within us, uh, to make gorgeous music through singing. And if we feel safe enough to do it, uh, with a leader that, that, that inspires us and sets goals and allows us to be vulnerable in rehearsal, um, it'll come out and it'll be pretty and you'll get all, you'll, you'll meet all those musical goals and you'll meet all those, those personal intrinsic goals and you'll affect people through, through your music and it'll all be gumdrops and lollipops. (laughs) Uh,
1: Well, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I, I do your, does your choir know you love them? Does your choir know that they, that you are rooting for them and that you care about them if if they know that, then they will run through brick walls. They 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 want you to push them. They they're excited when you don't settle for what they want to give you that day. Uh, it, I mean, it all feeds back into it, itself, um, and there's a lot of nuts and bolts in in what we do, and a lot of technique. But but at the end, it's it's a human art form, and we we have to embrace that and and go to to where our singers are and and be honest about where we are too
0: mm-hmm. agreed well so let me ask you a question what is your what do they call the be big fat hairy audacious goal what is right what is what is your uh big fat hairy audacious goal personally or or within maybe your maybe career wise
1: yeah i i um well a, a smaller goal i mean i would love to be to be out there um doing festivals i mean i do get some of those opportunities but i would love to to see more of the nation you know do some all states and and uh, get to know people and how they make music in in all 50 states at some point and some of the bigger goals i'm i'm gonna keep to myself but you know they're they little goals like that, but honestly, Ryan, most of the time my goals are are for my for my students and what I want for them, and that's that's what drives me.
0: Well, Anne Frank said herself, "No one ever got poor by giving." So, if you keep those people in mind, um, you yourself will will be rewarded in the end as well. So, um, I think that that's wonderful. And Choir Nation. Um, I, I, I kind of want Jeb to see the country too. So so if you if you're if you're working on any all state festivals or anything like that, um, look you got a you got a awesome um, young conductor here on the Find Your Forte podcast uh, that would uh, clearly you, you heard his philosophy and if you feel like he fits with yours and uh, what you what you see for your your state. Uh, you better invite Jeb out there to uh, to work, and then you can invite you can invite me too to watch. You just buy me a plane ticket. I'll come and I'll come and I'll be the loudest cheerleader. I'll have bring my Choir Nation bullhorn and uh, and everything. So, I mean, listen, uh, Jeb, this has been wonderful. Uh, let me ask you a question before you leave, though. Um, I mean, let me ask you two. Is there a book that you would recommend to to Choir Nation?
1: I love. It's called the perfect wrong note. Um,
0: do you know this book? No, I need. I've I've not heard this at all. I I know this is great. Sounds it's, it's awesome.
1: Fantastic. The perfect wrong note. It's by William Westney. Okay. Uh, he's actually a pianist and a, a piano teacher, uh, and the the book essentially turns what. What so many of us think about uh, the the proper way to teach on its head. So he he essentially argues that or, or states, you know, the problem is that so many people drop out of music, you know, for him, piano lessons. Why do people drop piano lessons as soon as they're able to do that? Well, it's because we have the wrong priorities with these young students. It's essentially, technique first and passion and enjoyment second and and his whole book talks about ways and and changing the thought process of no let's instill the passion and enjoyment because then they're going to be willing to work on the technique that allows them to continue to get better it's it's a really it's not a long book but it's it's very interesting well written highly recommend the perfect wrong notes
0: okay I'm gonna check that out. The perfect wrong note, Choir Nation. If you want, if you want to buy this book, uh, you certainly may. It is on Amazon, uh, and you can buy it. Uh, looks like it's a little under twenty bucks. It's even cheaper on Kindle. Uh, it has a lot of a lot of positive reviews. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, I'm going to put it up on the show notes for Jeb's interview, which is at RyanGuth.com forward slash zero seven four for episode 74 so if you scroll down you can click an amazon link you'll see the cover of the book right there click on that if you buy it you will be supporting the find your forte podcast and i would totally appreciate that i get a small commission um it'll be several cents i'm sure but these things do add up and you know i gotta buy toilet paper too so um (laughs) You know, thank you, Amazon, right? Amazon Prime. Yes. So... Please
1: uh Buy toilet paper. This is important.
0: Everybody, you know what? We don't want coil directors walking around sans, sans toilet paper, okay? <laughs> where The breathing is an important part of our, uh, our rehearsals, okay? Not to get crass, but... So, uh, Jeb, what is the best way to get a hold of you online? Where can we find out about more of what you're doing and uh, get a hold of you? You know, hey, if we want to contact you to... Direct an honor choir somewhere around the world. Um, you, you know, Choir Nation. You know where I am. Uh, so if you want to, you know, invite me to be in the cheering section, I'm happy to do it. But uh, Jeb, where can we get a hold of you?
1: Well, I would love to to make some new friends out there. So uh, probably the easiest way is through Facebook. Jeb Jeb Mueller on Facebook. I also have a Twitter account. Um, it's at Jeb Mueller. Uh, I don't use it very often, but I could. Well, Jeb,
0: you know, Twitter's a great, a great place for collaboration. Um, there's a lot of cool music educators on Twitter. So if you happen to get on there a little more, um, you're going to see there's some great, great people out there. So, so if you're on Twitter, follow Jeb at Jeb Mueller, M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Uh, I will also put the Twitter and Facebook link to Jeb's profiles there on the show notes as well. So, Jeb, thank you so much for being uh, a part of today's podcast. You have certainly helped Choir Nation to step up to the podium with purpose, which is our job uh, on the Find Your Forte podcast. So, thank you for joining me.
1: It's been a pleasure. Thanks for uh, allowing me to babble on.
0: Uh, Absolutely, Jeb. Thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to Find Your Forte with Ryan Gooth. As always, join Ryan online at www.ryanguth.com for detailed show notes and discussions on every episode. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Until next time, be amazing.